0: The construction industry can be a tough business to crack. From cash flow problems, struggling to find skilled labour and not making enough money for your efforts, leaves many business owners feeling frustrated and burnt out. But when you get the business strategy right, it's an industry that can be highly satisfying and financially rewarding. I'm here to give you the resources to be able to create a construction business that gives you more time, more freedom and more money. This is the Develop Your Construction Business podcast, and I'm your host, Greg Wilkes. So, welcome everyone to the podcast. Great to have you back. It's the start of a new year, and I'm sure a lot of you are really excited about what 2023 is going to bring. I've got a special guest on my podcast today that's uh, traveled uh, a few virtual thousand miles from all the way from Australia, and that is Jackson Milan. Great to have you here, Jackson. My pleasure to be here. Looking forward to getting stuck in and delivering some value. Yeah, really appreciate it, mate. So I thought this podcast would be great as a start to the new year because everyone's thinking about what they're going to achieve. Obviously, as business owners, one of the big things we want to achieve is more money in the business, more profits. And ultimately, we're trying to achieve that. And the reason we go into business is we want to create better lifestyles for ourselves um, and our families different things like that that's often the reason why we do that so I thought you'd be a really good guest to, to come on because I've listened to some of your stuff before which I think is really applicable to talk about how business owners can potentially achieve that lifestyle that they're they're really looking for and, and maybe that freedom in business that they, they want to achieve so Jackson maybe first of all you could give us a little bit of an introduction to my listeners to uh, to who you are and uh, and what your what your background is I'd love to, mate. So I'm Jackson Milan. I'm also known as The Wealth Mentor. Uh, I've been
1: working in this space of wealth for business owners for a bit over 15 years now. And I got started in this space because I wanted to help people like my parents. Uh, my parents were both tradies. Uh, Mum was a hairdresser. My dad had a number of different trade businesses around uh, home services, home renovation, uh, waterproofing, tiling. Um, but the common thread that I observed through my childhood is that they were incredibly hard workers and they always gave me the same advice. Like, Jackson, if you want to be successful in this world, you've got to work hard for it. Um, and they, they worked their asses off, mate. 16-hour um, days, seven days a week for as long as I could remember. But they never had much to show for it. Um, and really early on showed me that just because you work hard doesn't necessarily mean you are going to be successful or that you are going to be financially free and this really came to a head for me because I went out into the world to learn how to be a financial advisor so I could kind of be a catalyst for change and help people like my parents and I very quickly become disheartened with the industry because it was all about either helping people who were already wealthy or selling commission-based products to people like my parents who quite frankly didn't need them and weren't going to put them in a better position so before I kind of hung up my hat uh, and gave through the towel in I asked myself well okay if you were going to do this differently how would you do it and so, from that point, I decided to start calling myself a wealth coach, and I focused on building an educational framework that laid the foundations for people like my parents who were never taught any better. Yes. And since then, I've been able to help my clients build over two billion dollars in combined wealth, uh, and uh, I built a, a multi-million dollar business in the process, and been able to create financial freedom at 33. Now, I don't tell you that, guys, to brag, and uh, because I know there's a lot of taboos around money, and I tell you that to start breaking down these taboos so we can start bringing this conversation to the table um, and bring be, be transparent about this so we can take the power that a lot of this these taboos have over us and start using that as a superpower to uh, to supercharge our trajectory to financial freedom. So hopefully we'll dive into that a little bit today.
0: Yeah, that sounds awesome, Jackson. So I think it's really good that you're on, obviously, um, like you said, if your parents were uh, tradies and uh, you, you've got experience of, I guess, some of the pain that, that comes with that of Um, Being a tradie, working really hard, but not seeing those financial rewards. Um, I hear this all the time with with people that uh, might come to me at the beginning for mentoring because they're so frustrated they're, they're putting all their time and effort in and and not getting paid for it or they they find that their subcontractors and workers are getting paid more than them <laughs> anything what's what's going on? It's wrong, isn't it with all the risk and that they're taking something's not right. And um, so I guess you got to see a little bit of that firsthand did you when you when you were growing up and did that form any sort of stories in in your mind about wealth creation? It really did, mate.
1: I saw that my dad's business particularly was feast and famine because mum's business was a lot more predictable given being a hairdressing salon, but dad was very much a, a typical tradie. And it was always feast and famine. Like there were times that he was oversubscribed and like many tradies, when they're oversubscribed, they can throw out pretty significant fees because they don't want to get the work that's thrown at them when they're when they're already got the book stacked. And if they people say yes, they get a big hefty premium for getting that job across the line. But on the flip side, when the diary is empty, then they become desperate. They're like Oliver Twist, begging for work and sometimes discounting and cutting their margins just so they're busy. But just because they're busy doesn't mean they're productive. And the problem here was that people like my dad and many tradies that we've worked with when it comes to designing their financial operating system, they're emotionally invested in their business, meaning that the decisions that they make in their business are largely tied to their emotional state on the day. And that's not a good way to run a business. So a lot of the work that we do and the biggest mistake that I saw my dad make, he never got out of that. His business was the destination. It was the be all and end all of his existence because it's what he lived and breathed. Whereas business, no matter what it is, is a vehicle. It is designed to get you to a destination. That destination is financial freedom. Because let's face it, mate. Like I'm sure you speak to your clients all the time. The two things they probably want more than anything is freedom and flexibility. Am I right?
0: Yeah. Time, time, freedom and money is what we were always talking about exactly how many of those have it before they work with you mate <laughs> well that, that's the problem isn't it and it is uh, that that's the goal for everyone but yeah not many at all i would say i mean i guess people aren't coming into coaching if they've got time freedom and money because they have <laughs> they've already achieved it so i'm only talking to people that's that it. haven't got that but yeah it's it's rare
1: and the problem is mate that because most people they live and breathe their business they haven't actually defined the means to an end they say, oh, I'll worry about that financial freedom stuff once I get to a million pounds or once I get to five million pounds or once I get to whatever this future goal is, right? And that day never comes. And for that reason, they end up creating this, this subconscious prison that is their business that keeps them tied to a job, gets them, keeps them working 60 hours a week for, pit, for pittance. And this really come to a head for me, mate, when my, my dad got diagnosed with pancreatic cancer at 66. Like his lifelong dream was to work hard, squirrel away every last red cent, be able to buy a farm and be able to live his days on a beautiful property and be able to just really immerse himself in the fruits of his labor. And he was meant to retire at 65. At 66, he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. He was given weeks to live and he died. And on his deathbed, he regretted a lot of things. And the one thing that he regretted is how hard he bloody worked. And he said, Jackson, every single person in this world has two lives. And your second life starts when you realize that you only have one. And that was an eye-opener for me. And it was heartbreaking because obviously I lost my best friend, but it was a gift because he was able to allow me the opportunity to learn from his mistakes. And that's when I adopted the motto, live for today and plan for tomorrow. Uh The biggest issue that I see, particularly in the building space, is because many people who are in trades, the common theme is that they're ambitious, but they're also impatient. Like, tradies sound like waiting for stuff, mate. (laughs) I'm sure you've found that, right?
0: 100%, yeah. (laughs) I'm a bit like that anyway. I want everything now. (laughs) Me too, mate. This is probably why I get along with them so well. (laughs) But the
1: idea here is that the traditional retirement trap is that you work for 40 years, you retire at 65, and then you enjoy 20 if you like. It doesn't fucking motivate me. That sounds like a shit shit time. Um, because you, you, particularly when you're a tradie, I'm lucky I get to sit in a, seat, a desk all day, but as a tradie, you wreck your body over those 40 years. Um, and for that, you, you're going to get to a point where you can't even enjoy the fruits of your labour. Mm-hmm. So it is critical for you to try and work out a way to create financial freedom in some capacity before you're old and grey. Mm-hmm. And, and this is where a lot of our philosophy comes into play, of, of living for today and planning for tomorrow.
0: I love that motto. I think that's a a really good phrase. Um, And that makes, it just makes so much sense. What I think was really interesting is you describing your business like a vehicle to get you to to where you want to go. Because I think so many people just think of the business is their life (laughs) it's what it's what they do every day and that and and they get so consumed in just that business and can't see beyond it but actually viewing it as a vehicle that you're going somewhere you've got something else in mind that you're actually driving towards and you've got a bit of direction towards i think is a is a great way of of thinking about it so so obviously just expanding on that a little bit i guess if we're in a vehicle and we're going to a destination where, where where does it start that that wealth journey does it does it start at that destination
1: Yes. So we've got a system that we teach our clients that we call the wealth mastery machine and unpacking that for a moment. If you had to describe a machine, Greg, how would you describe
0: it? What does a machine do? A machine? um, Well, I guess it gives you uh, the same results every time. um, Duplicate something. Yeah. Bang on. And how many people do you know that could describe their personal finances or their business finances as a machine? Yeah. No one, Maybe not even me. <laughs> no one, right? <laughs> <laughs> we're we're going to work on that. Um, but the idea here is that for most people, they've
1: never been taught a system to turn their finances into a machine that produces a regular, repeated, consistent result. They're just flying by the seat of their pants. And quite frankly, as a, 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 a seven-figure, potentially a multi-seven-figure trade business, it's more money than you've ever dealt with in your entire life that's flowing through your bank account each and every single day. Mm. So... It's like that same principle where people win the lottery and they blow it. They end up in a worse position. You're basically giving giving someone a loaded gun and you're doing that self-imposed. So the point here is you need to learn to not only be a great tradesperson, like when you went to technical college to learn your trade, you need to learn the language of money so you can be in the driver's seat for you financially. And there's a couple of parts to this. The first part is learning how to properly define what financial freedom means for you and your family. We go to an extreme with this with our clients that we get them to map out all of their lifestyle and financial goals over 20 years. And the reason for this, because it sounds a bit crazy, is that if we, money is not the outcome, it just gives us the freedom and flexibility to pursue those goals. So if we can get that level of clarity, we can then reverse engineer those goals backwards. And I can, for every single client, link a profit goal, a personal income target that allows them to achieve every single one uh, one of their goals, lifestyle and financial, without any sacrifice or compromise. Hmm. Like how much more motivated are you when you can link the outcome that you want and the activity that you need to do to get there? Hmm. It's just a no-brainer, right? But most people just don't know how to do
0: that. That's, That's really interesting. In your experience, mate,
1: Yeah, how many of your clients actually goal set intentionally on a regular basis outside of the business? Do
0: you think, mate? Well, this is really interesting because, funny enough, we just did a goal setting workshop for the year, and um, I guess this is my mistake that that I did with my clients. But we were we were basically we were setting the goal for the year, but then we then tied that to their their long term vision. But what's interesting, which something I didn't do, which you've just highlighted, was we were tying the long term vision to a a number. But not really thinking about what you just said—the the actual lifestyle and what we're, what we're actually trying to create—which I guess is more is a bit more powerful, isn't it? <laughs> than the numbers. Yes.
1: That's where the that's where the intrinsic investment lies, because if those things are truly important to us, and what's interesting is that when we go through this with our clients initially, there's a lot of superficial goals that come up, right? Like, oh yeah, I want to have a Porsche in two different colors. Um, I want to go and fly to the I'm in a private jet and this and that. Like, do you really? Do you really want those things? Now for the vast majority of people, and if you want those things, that's fine, but we need to kick the tires on it a little bit. For the vast majority of people, they don't want those things when they really pare it down. They want a nice house. They want it paid off. Of that's of the a place they're proud of that they can entertain their family and their friends. They can raise their kids. They want to have a great lifestyle with nice holidays and a comfortable existence. They want to send their kids to a good school, get them set up for the future, potentially help them get onto the property ladder. And they want to create enough passive income that gives them the freedom and flexibility to choose what they do with their time. But they'll probably never retire. Mm. I think. And potentially, they want to give back, right? It sums it up pretty well, right?
0: I think you've hit the nail on the head there. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. Something something it just reminded me of actually. I I remember going to a I either went to it or I listened to it a Tony Robbins seminar a while back, and he was talking yes. about. Um, Everyone, you know, we we say these things here. We want the two Porsches in different colors and whatever else. But do we actually want them? And and what he was talking about was rather than going for that, potentially just having an experience out for a day in that in the Porsche or or, or spending yes. you know, having you know ten days a year if you wanted to drive in the Porsche, but not necessarily having to spend two hundred grand on, on on buying one. So I guess you can still you can still have those experiences, can't you, without having having that as a goal? For sure. It's really interesting
1: the, the smart ways that we can manufacture the same level of significance and achievement in a much cheaper sense. Mm. But what we often do is without these frameworks in place like that, you just we don't go out and make silly mistakes. Like the amount of clients that I've had that are trading, is that because they've had a stressful month or quarter, they go out and buy a new 4 drive or they go buy a jet, a jet ski. Well, they go on a holiday to Bali or whatever it is. Um, and so if you're in the UK, you probably fly to Spain or Portugal or whatever. <laughs> um, a little bit, little bit more uh, romantic than Bali. But you get the idea, right? And it's because we don't have these safety nets to protect ourselves from our need to be self-regulated. Because we all have a need to self-regulate. We all have to have that, that release valve, right? Otherwise, we implode. Mm. Um, but we want to make sure that we do it in a healthy way that is not financially catastrophic.
0: Yeah, because it often is. Yeah, that that makes complete sense. Yeah, I guess I guess we all do that. It's a bit of, it's a bit of therapy, isn't it? Sometimes when you have a bit of a spend up, and <laughs> especially especially in construction, because it's such sometimes it can be such a stressful business in in many ways. Just being a business owner is stressful, isn't it? Dealing with people and dealing with clients, and especially dealing with the amount of money potentially we're that's going through our hands. Um, yeah I think it can be very easy as a as a as a a coping mechanism to go and to go and buy yourself something to either tell yourself that you're doing all right or uh, or, or just to you know scratch that impulse that <laughs> that you want something correct so so what, what how do you as a mentor how would you cope someone around that then if they've got those tendencies yes. to want to go and do that
1: What's really interesting here, Greg, is that people tend to focus on the strategies and tactics that they focus on finance at all, and it's the superficial stuff that they think is going to make the biggest difference, right? And the problem is they never upgrade the operating system. They haven't even thought the operating system exists. So what we do with our clients is we take them through an exercise where we go through and unpack their money memories. It's the most significant financial moments throughout the entire course of their life. Because as as Winston Churchill famously said, those who fail to learn from history are bound to repeat it. Now we see that's why most people are on this vicious roller coaster ride of this, this carousel of financial behaviors that keep repeating themselves and it's because they haven't identified the triggers and the reasons for those things continuing to rear their ugly head. The next thing we do is we uh, I've developed seven spender types I wrote I wrote about in my first best-selling book and we apply those spender types to each individual and there might be a blend and that uh, once we understand those spender types we understand those intrinsic strengths and weaknesses we can start playing to the strengths and buffering against the weaknesses instead of trying to keep up with the joneses and going against the grain which is unsustainable Mm. and what we do is we start using behavioral finance principles in order to uh, create what we call asymmetrical risk versus return instead of the ideal behaviors being the outlier the exception to the rule we need to start creating financial systems that ensure that the action that we want is presupposed. And it might sound a little bit woo woo and uh, a little bit far-fetched, but the idea here is that we're all really busy and much like in a business that can't run without systems. Like I'm sure none of your clients could run a project unless they had a project management plan, unless they've had an estimate, mm-hmm. and unless they have gone through some sort of tendering process, whether they're doing uh, uh, timesheets. So, why don't you have the equivalent systems when it comes to managing your finances and your wealth?
0: I think that's a, I think that's a really, really valuable point. Um, just, just touching on something you said there, then. So obviously when the, 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 the mentoring that you do for, for your clients, it's, it seems to be very much around mindset as well as just strategies. Is it? So you, you, you feel that, is that, is that the first thing that you dive into that, Like how you, how you, how you deal with someone's mindset first?
1: correct it's the cornerstone of everything because the biggest limiting factor in your life and your business will always be you and unless we are expanding that invisible ceiling uh then we're always going to hit our head up against it Mm. and the other part to that is that i personally believe that mindset forms the most significant part of your financial foundation and another bit of an analogy here in terms of the building space like imagine that we built the foundations for a single story house And then we then decided that we wanted to build a five-story apartment. It's not going to support it, right? And it's exactly the same for the way that you go about creating financial freedom. The mindset that you needed to get from zero to 100,000 pounds in your business or zero to 100,000 pounds in wealth is very different to get from 100,000 to a million or a million to ten million. So we need to continually lift that invisible ceiling. And I think most of us, particularly us blokes, we go, ah, she'll be right and um and we just take it for granted mm. but it doesn't we don't want to stay where we land we want to make sure that we've got the strategy to support it so the second part to this greg is create now we need to have a a mechanism for creating wealth to systematically turn business profit into personal wealth because the biggest challenge i see when people have successful businesses good businesses is that they reinvest the profits <laughs> and if those of you listening to this as an audio, you wouldn't have seen the inverted commas here. And reinvesting your profits is the shittest excuse for mismanagement of money that I've ever heard.
0: Yep. We hear how no, many of your
1: clients tell you that they're reinvesting their profits, Greg?
0: Oh, here, this, is, this is all the time. How, how, how profit have we been this year? Oh, we haven't been profitable. We've reinvested it all. It's, it's, <laughs> you hear it over and over again. Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> exactly. And it's just, you've got to stop using it. The best businesses in the world self-fund their growth. They have the capacity to have the ability to grow their business and have a really healthy profit. Mm. Now, it's my philosophy that you you need to have a profitable construction business because it's a high-stakes, high-risk business, particularly in this economic environment that we're in globally. The first indicator of economic hardship and recessions is construction and development and Guys, you're the first to go. You're on the front line, literally. And it is your job, it is your duty to ensure that you are financially stable enough to navigate those tough economic times because unfortunately, you're the first to go. So it's your responsibility. And it's your fiduciary duty to make sure that you run your business in a way that is profitable that has really good liquidity and that you can build the working capital to navigate the storm. Because the hard part about construction is that you've got all these fixed commitments. And when your income goes off a cliff, your expenses don't just go away immediately. Mm -hmm. They take time. Like could take a quarter, could take two depending on the size of your business. So if you don't have the working capital, you're fucked
0: it's 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 interesting you say that because we often talk about i don't know what it's been like in australia but through the last few years in the uk it's really been an absolute boom in construction so when we come out of covid yes. there's a little period that was uh, obviously tight in covid but then all that pent up demand it it boomed and and you know people we're working with and just hearing it in general were making a fortune <laughs> but what we were saying is you you've got to put some aside as a bit of a buffer for a potential downturn which May well be happening in 2023. I mean, there's talk of it, but to be honest, it's still stacked anyway. But but you have got to prepare for that, haven't you? I think you're right. For sure. And
1: look, the same thing's happened here, mate. Um, We work with a lot of tradies and construction businesses in Australia and New Zealand, and also in the US and and Europe. And the common theme here is that there is an abundance of work. There's this pent-up demand, right? Because there's not enough people to deliver the services. However, we've got this pressure on materials. Material prices are going up at a rate of knots because of the supply chain issues that have come from COVID and with the geopolitical issues. Mm. And because of employment, skilled trade is becoming increasingly difficult to come by. Therefore, your cost of wages is going to exponentially increase. And unless you understand those things, they become a universal tax on you and your business, which erodes your profits. And what was potentially profitable activity and profitable work and profitable projects may very quickly turn into unprofitable unless you understand those numbers. Yeah. Um, so it just you—we've got to keep that finger on the pulse because the stakes are very high. Yeah. But the aim here, guys, is that you should be able to grow your business and build wealth at the same time.
0: Yeah. Okay. So just just summarising that so far, what you have said. So it's mind, mindset comes first. Then it's about ensuring profitability by staying on top of your numbers and yes. not just reinvest in profits, making sure that your, your your business is able to sustain profitability and reinvestment. The business pays for it all. Okay. Is that, that that's the first, first couple of things, is it? That's the main part. Correct. Yeah.
1: And the idea here is that we need to put profit first, right? We can't wait for profit at the end. We need to use a behavioral principle known as Parkinson's law because Parkinson's law governs all of us as human beings. like, so, Parkinson's law states that as a human being, you use the means that you have available. So the more means you have, the more means you use. And the analogy I like to use is tube of toothpaste. Now, Greg, when you've got a brand new tube of toothpaste, how do you use it? Yeah, you just
0: squeeze, squeeze it out. however <laughs> you need. You're
1: pretty you're pretty liberal with it, right? Mm-hmm. But what about when we get to the end of the tube of toothpaste? How does your behavior change?
0: Yeah, that's it. You scrunching it up and folding it out. <laughs> squeeze every last drop.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: Every last drop, even till you get that little
1: tiny bead of toothpaste and just to save you to have to go to the store, right? Exact same thing happens with your money. So the problem is that for most business owners, their formula for profit is revenue minus expenses equals profit. Profit is last because it's logical. Like even our accountants call it the bottom line. How we flip this on its head is it is revenue minus profit equals expenses. We presuppose profit and we adjust our expenses according to making sure that, that profit always exists. Yeah. And when we do that way, that means that we can always be distributing, we can always be focusing on wealth creation, and we're running a lean and optimal business operation. Because otherwise, we suffer from what we call cash flow creep, The revenue goes up, but the expenses increase proportionately, or in some cases, exponentially to revenue growth, and that erodes our profit. And that's not the situation we want to be in.
0: Yeah. I like that. So this is, this is very, well, this is the similar principles to profit first, isn't it? That we, um, right. uh, Mike, what's his, what's his surname? Mike. Um, Mike McCallowicz. That's it. Yeah. I never get the, never get the surname. Right. So I think that's an absolutely fantastic philosophy of, of how to run business. It just sort of flips it on its, on its head a little bit, doesn't it? Which I think so many won't do. And what's really good about that is I think, especially in construction, as we said, there's so much money running through the books that if you don't put that profit away first, it's just, like you say, it's just going to get spent, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's going to go. Exactly.
1: And I think the next biggest issue here is we need to stop treating the business like an ATM. We need to pay ourselves a fixed income that is equal to the lifestyle that we want to live and stop doing the ad hoc drawings. Like, oh, I don't want to go, like, don't use the company card to go and pull money out to go and go to the chicken shop. You know what I mean? Um, because those it's those little things that add up. Most people don't, burn their cash on huge, big expenses. It is the little little seemingly insignificant expenses that add up over the course of the year where they get to the end of the year and they go, oh shit, how much do I draw? Mm. So we wanna have a fixed income, which ensures that you actually value yourself for the effort that you put in. And that then allows us to make sure that we are growing our business congruently to the value that we place on ourselves and the role that we play in growing our business. Uh, and yeah. so we do a lot of work around personal cash flow structure with our clients. And what we often find is that by setting up these structures, we can improve profit in the business by about 15 to 20%. And we can increase household surplus by 20 to 25% because most people just have money slipping through their fingers because of lack of structure.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. So um, I was just going to come on to this then. So obviously, you, you solve the business side of it and how to run a business uh, in the right way but obviously it comes down to personally as well. So is there, um, do you you put the similar systems in place for personal budgeting and and things like that? We do, yeah. And
1: it's a process of reverse engineering through all of these stages. So we get that 20 year roadmap. We reverse engineer that into our income target. We then work out what we call through a personal profit and loss, what their household costs, paying their mortgage, sending the kids to school, putting food on the table, spending on the weekend, holidays, all of the expenses. So then we can work at okay, how much income do we need to earn to live that lifestyle and have enough surplus to allocate to investments? That gives us an income target. Then, okay, what does the business need to do to allow us to earn that income? Then from that profit, what do we need to do in revenue and how do we need to spend it? And then we can go back to KPIs and then it makes it so much easier that we can link all of the activity to the outcomes that we want and then what gets in the way of going to do the work when you're that that intrinsically motivated
0: yeah 100 and you've got a clear roadmap then of, of, of how you're going to reach it so I, I think that's that's really vital um thinking of like a, a a long-term goal for someone then so if someone you know wanted to retire and you know let's let's say they're whatever 20 years away from retirement i think right well, i eventually want to retire and how, how does how do, that figure that they're going to need to retire on is that is that purely linked to the lifestyle they want or well, how, how do you generally work it out for a, a figure that they're gunning for yeah there's a
1: there's a really simple methodology to do this um but there's also a more detailed and accurate way so the simple way is a formula that we call the f3 formula and you guys can write this down and crunch this number so basically it's your financial freedom figure divided by five and multiplied by 100 so for example for me to live a really comfortable lifestyle, I need to produce two hundred thousand dollars a year in passive income. So, using that formula, I need four million dollars of investment assets outside of my home in order to allow me to produce two hundred thousand dollars a year in perpetuity.
0: Right. So, just so that's a really
1: simple back of the envelope.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, just clear out, So, if, the, if so, four million dollars, and that is what in cash or or property or not your own property? You said. So you? the
1: correct that would be investment assets. And the assumption of that, the five, the, the division by five assumes that I can get a 5% net return on my asset base. Right. And let's work that out. If we go and invest in say a diversified index fund, that produces between eight and 10% a year. So that gives me a good allowance for tax, leaving me with 5% so I don't have to erode my capital.
0: Got it, okay. And that and that 5% will, will equal your $200,000 a year. Okay, well that, that's, exactly. that's nice and so straightforward that's for everyone. Um, Pretty simple. Yeah. And then, and then it's a case of working out how long it's going to take you to, to get to that amount. So is, is there, is there more, form, more complex formulas for that, is there?
1: <laughs> there is, correct. So we've got some really cool tools that we give to our clients that allow them to do a proper financial freedom forecast with a lot more detail. And consider all of the plus minuses that go in over the course of that time frame. include, because we've got to realise that your, your lifestyle and your income and expenses are not going to be linear every year. Some years are going to be more expensive than others. Some you're going to earn more than others. So we have got to be mindful of that and be able to work out that, that roadmap. But the simple things to consider when we're working towards, okay, here's where I am right now. Here's where I want to go. There are really three levers that we can pull to bridge that gap when it comes to wealth creation. One is how much can you afford to contribute to wealth creation? So basically it's your surplus. Once we've lived our lifestyle, how much have we got left over to commit towards investment assets? Two, is what is our assumption of the rate of return or, in other words, the risk that we're prepared to take on those investments? So, for example, if we keep it all in cash, we might make 1% or 2%. Or if we invest it all in the next cryptocurrency, we could make a bajillion percent, but we could lose it all, right? Yeah. So where do we fit on that spectrum of risk? And then thirdly, how long are you prepared to wait? Because we've got to realise that compounding takes time and therefore we need to be mindful that if you need to retire to, in a year's time, compounding is not going to do you any favours. It's going to be largely based on your contributions because even the interest, the return that you make, it's going to be pretty insignificant. However, on the flip side, if you've got 30 years to go, then the contribution is probably not going to be that significant. It's actually the return compounded over that period of time that's going to have the biggest difference. Mm-hmm. So, there's some calculators that we can provide to your listeners and we'll include some links in the show notes that'll help them crunch the numbers on this and start bridging that gap because most people have what we call a come to Jesus mother grid. They go, Oh Jesus, that's a big gap. But prior to that, they will, they will walk blind. Right? Mm -hmm. So once we can quantify it, no matter how scary it is, we can now start working about how do we bridge it and put ourselves in a better, better position to get where we want to go.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's really good. I really appreciate you uh, going to drop those tools in for us, Jackson. I think that really helped the the listeners with that. I think it's a re- it's a really important subject to discuss and have on the podcast because, unfortunately, I don't know if it, what it's like again in Australia, but with self employed builders and and trades, often they're not paying into a pension properly, um, and even if you do pay into a pension, sometimes it's it's not really going to give you the lifestyle that that you want. You know, pe- pe- really, you know, I know different ones they might save up a few hundred thousand and think they're doing all right in life but actually how long does that really last you when you retire it's it's not long at all is it with the way way things are going so it's not um I think that's you know that's really valuable so just thinking about someone who's listening to this and maybe you know they haven't really built up any income at the moment you know the the business is doing okay what would what would maybe the the first steps for them be how would they get started in all this
1: yeah, I think the big part to realize is that, that language of money is universal. It's why we work with clients all around the world. Because when you understand these fundamentals, you can apply them everywhere. And funnily enough, I've worked with clients from pretty much all aspects of the world, all parts of the world in different financial systems. And they're very, very similar. Now, I'm sure there's different nuances in terms of tax and strategies and whatnot. But we can navigate those relatively easily once we understand those fundamentals. The common thread for business owners globally is that we often put our wealth on the back burner to grow our business because business is the best wealth creation asset that you can ever have. You only got to look at every rich list in the world and the vast majority of people are there because of their business or a business they have inherited. Mm -hmm. So you're in the right place. You're playing on the right field. However, what you need to do is you need to make sure that your business is and turns into an asset because let's face it, there's not many construction and trade businesses that are sold for a profit. So you can position your business for sale. There's a lot of work involved in that. But what you need to do is you need to turn that cash flow that you get from the business into assets. Otherwise, you are not going to retire financially free. Hmm. So what we need to do is we need to start something. The analogy I like to use here, Greg, is that we need to build what we call money muscle memory. The idea here is that let's say we're going to go to the gym. And let's say in 2023, I decided I was going to become an Olympic weightlifter. And um, I'm not going to go to the squat rack and put 300 kilos on the bar and try and squat it. If I even lift the bar at all, I'm probably going to hurt myself, right? So what you do is you start with the bar, you get the form right, you get some confidence out, you build some core, and then you start adding some, some weights, right? And then you build that up over time. We apply this analogy to finance. Most people, because they feel like they're falling behind, they tr- feel like they need to take too big of a leap initially or they feel like they're too far behind and they end up doing nothing. Take one step. The first step is always the hardest and then we build on it over time. So the best thing you can do is get the start. It could be 500 pounds a month, could be less. Like we've got some clients that are investing a couple of hundred pounds a month. Like you, can you tell me that you're going to miss that amount of money? It might hurt a little bit to start off with, but I guarantee you in a, a few months time, you're going to get used to it. And then we create a mechanism to increase it. And then we'd snowball it. That's yeah. the best place to start.
0: I like that. Yeah. That was a good book by uh, Warren Buffett as well. Snowball. <laughs> that's uh, the richest man of the world. Exactly how to do it. Yeah. And it does, it does start building momentum, doesn't it? Once you, once you get started and, and on that roll, So that, that's really useful. So um, Jackson, if, if, my listeners wanted to learn a little bit more about what you teach um i know you've written some best-selling books maybe obviously we can drop the links into to different bits below on, on how to get hold of you but where, where where would they get started in learning a little bit about you and what you've got to offer
1: Yeah. One of the things that's really important is that everyone is so unique in terms of where they are in their wealth journey. And there is this risk that we try and keeping up with the Joneses, right? Like you look over at what your mates are doing or your family are doing, you're like, oh, maybe I should do that. And it's probably not the right thing. So what we created is a 40 point financial performance scorecard. It's basically the top 40 things that get in the way of most business owners creating financial freedom. And the, the, the scary thing is the average score is about 18 out of four. Now, I don't care if your score is five or 35, once again, it's about knowing what is the next right thing that you could be focusing on. And that's going to help and open your eyes to that. So if you guys jump on to wealthhealthcheck.com.au, that is wealthhealthcheck.com.au, you'll get the 40-point performance scorecard. You get all of my books for free. Uh, You'll also get a whole heap of calculators and forecasting tools that'll help you apply what you learn from the scorecard to your situation and start getting some runs on the board. Um, And then from there, there's a whole heap of our details in there if you want to reach out. Um, as you said, we work with clients around the whole world to help teach you the language of money so you can make better decisions for yourself. Because it's my opinion, no one's ever going to love your money like you do. And you better learn how to, to love it better yourself.
0: <laughs> That's brilliant. Thanks, Jackson. I, and I, I really encourage my listeners to do that. Just, you know, it's not going to hurt you to take the scorecard. And just, if anything, if it just opens your eyes to the position you're at at the moment, it's, it's a value, isn't it? Because we don't want to, you know, bury our heads in the sand and leave it too long. So, Jackson, thank you so much for all the value you've offered today. And thank you so much for the value that you're going to offer after with the, you know, the the scorecard and the books and whatever else that you have said to the listeners. So really appreciate your time today, mate. My absolute pleasure, mate. Can I just ask a quick favor? If you're getting some value out of our podcast, I'd really appreciate it if you could just quickly go online. Make sure you subscribe and leave us a review on the platform that you're listening on. That really helps our rankings and just helps other construction business owners find out about the show so they can improve their businesses too. So let me just say thanks in advance. If you'd like to work with me to fast track your construction business growth, then reach out on www.developcoaching.co.uk.